Welcome to the NECF Podcast, where we share our weekly sermons and faithfully interpret the Bible to encourage and direct you on your spiritual path. We're our devoted pastors and special guests delve into the depths of the Bible, exploring its profound lessons and useful applications for your daily life. Whereas the Christian faith, you know, is the opposite of that. It's not your works that makes you receive mercy from God and receive a sense of, you know, good standing with God, but it's a result of what he has done. He himself is the one that did what should be done. He is the one that does the works. He did the works for us so that we will receive it as a gift and enjoy the benefits of what he has done. Join us as we explore the timeless truth that have the power to change people's hearts and minds, promoting a closer relationship with God and a firm belief in His promises. Church is a school. Are we together? And what we teach? We have a curriculum, right? And the curriculum is the Word of God. What has been enjoying these weeks of teaching? Nobody. Only Pastor Chidi. Well, whether you enjoy it or not, you're not the one that will tell me what to teach. <laughs> Amen. So you just bear with me. Hallelujah. And I believe that God is really helping us, right? He's helping us deeply and, and, and enlightening us to understand the counsel of his word. And I want you to be patient as well. Whenever you come to church and you hear the word, sometimes you don't get understanding immediately. It doesn't mean you should give up. You know, one thing, one of the challenges we have in our generation is that people easily give up. For example, now you go to school and the lecturer begins teaching a course, maybe physics or chemistry or mathematics or anything, and then it was to you like a magic, what is happening on the board. Then you now give, ah, this course I know is F I will get. You see, automatically there's no how you're going to pass that course because you've positioned your mind that you cannot understand. So the challenge is for you to go back and say, this thing I don't understand, I have to understand it. Even if it means going back to the basics and begin to learn the basic principles of that field that will enable you to, to learn that thing, Right? And sometimes you ask questions from people that your classmates, do you understand what was taught in class today? You ask your lecturers more, the teachers that taught you, or you go to look for more materials elsewhere in the right place, right? To learn more and to get more information about that thing. It means that you are very, you are very interested in learning and you are actually going to find the truth. Because anyone that is genuinely interested in knowing the truth of God's word you will come to the knowledge of the truth. Hallelujah. But you know, it's quite unfortunate that some people will come and then you hear something in church. Because it's new to you, then you become offended. Because it's actually addressing or is confronting what you've known all your life. Therefore, you become aggressive to the truth that you, you are not open-minded to knowing. Amen. And even when you see this and you know that this is actually really, really revealing. You know, instead for you to go back, question what you've been taught, 
You know, you build a wall around it. And then you become argumentative concerning the truth. You gather a couple of people that are like you. And then you now begin to argue, condemn, and discuss, and condemn. I'm assuring you that, you know, time will come that you sit back. And that same truth that you are talking about, is if, if you continue in the faith, you're going to be teaching that same thing. You're complaining and condemning. So it's very important that we sit down, we learn. We go back to when you don't understand, you ask questions. And all the pastors are available to answer your questions. It's their responsibility. They must have time for you. They should have time for you to answer your questions. All right? So we are very approachable. Come with good questions. Good questions. You know, people have asked me some questions. And I look at the person and I say, so you mean I've been teaching for seven weeks, minimum 15 minutes. Minimum 15 minutes, seven different Sundays. And you ask me this question, now go and listen to everything I've taught from the one till the last one. Then bring the question. Because some questions you want to know, are you, were you not in church? So don't be absent-minded here, please. So that you will not bring a question that will make you go and do edification. Hallelujah. Your question, from your questions, we know what you need. And will rightly apply the right dose of that medication for your question. Amen. So please, what I'm trying to say is that let's be smart, right? Let's be intelligent as intelligent as we are and, and be participating. If you are participating, you will not need to ask some questions that will not be of help to even the teacher and also even to others. Hallelujah. So what have we been talking about? Forgiveness of sins, right? The forgiveness of sins. And we've dealt with the issue of confession of sins. Confessions of sins. So up until now, we've tried to understand what confession of sin is. And by the grace of God, you know, we've, we've, we'll pause it there. We'll just leave it there. And then other times we'll look at other things concerning confession as well. And how we can effectively confess the word of God until we see the result of such confession in our lives. Hallelujah. Now, today we'll be, I'll just bring us into an introduction concerning repentance. I know Pastor uh, Emmanuel, some times back, I've taught us about repentance. I think when he was t talking about evangelism, right, he was reading to us from Acts chapter 2, where Peter was preaching to the Israelites about them repenting. So I'm just going to lay a foundation today. We'll do some word study today as well, and then we'll lay it, and the next time when I come, we'll go into proper interpretation of some scriptures that will help us to understand the idea about repentance. And I trust that God is going to illuminate our hearts and our minds to understand his word in Jesus' name. So Matthew chapter 3 verse 1, help me, Matthew chapter 3 verse 1, the King James Version, Matthew chapter 3 verse 1 to 5. Matthew chapter 3, repentance. Repentance. We're talking about repentance. Under the forgiveness of sins, repentance. Just an introduction on repentance. Matthew chapter 5, chapter 3 is from verse 1. Media team, help me with the screen. 
Yes. In those days came John the Baptist. The Baptist is not his son name. Amen. What is John's son name? Zechariah, right? So in his birth certificates and his Waeg and Neko and Jam and uh, what do they call it? Uh, GCE is John Zechariah. So the Baptist was what he was doing, right? So in those days came John the Baptist preaching. I don't think John named himself Baptist, did he? He didn't. People just could name him the Baptist because he was he was bathing people with water. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Verse 2. And saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 2, 3 rather. Verse 3. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. That is Isaiah. Saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Verse 4. And the same John had this remnant of camel, of camels here, and a lathen girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. Do you remember that this was Jesus? This would be the love eating honey, fish, and this one is locust and wild honey, right? Verse 5. Then went out him to Jerusalem. Went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. Yes. Then uh, Luke chapter 24. Luke 24 verse 46. We see John was preaching a message, right? John was preaching a message and the message was a message of repentance. That men should repent for the kingdom of God is what? Is at hand, right? And said unto them, thus, Middleton, help me with this screen. It's not standing properly. And said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it is behalf, Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance, you see, Jesus is the one speaking here, right? And that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name. Among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are, I, are witnesses of these things. And ye are witnesses of these things. Amen. So, repentance is to be preached in whose name? In Jesus' name. Repentance should be preached in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, in the English dictionary, let's begin from there. From the Oxford Learner's Dictionary. You know, repentance, it defines repentance in a certain way. And I want us to, let's, let's look at English. Because all our information about repentance, most times, is, is derived from our English understanding of the word. I, I've seen some some. some when we were quite younger, some people say, if you are going to church, come with a dictionary. It's now I realize that those things were really foolish. 
because you can never understand scriptures using English dictionary. So your understanding of English language does not necessarily mean that you have revelation of the scriptures because the Bible was not written in English. In fact, English lang as a language is about either four or five hundred years, you know, younger than when the New Testament was written. So that means five hundred years before English language, right, was when they compiled English the, the, the Bible. So the, the the Bible is 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 when it was written actually. What I mean written. When the, the writer, right, uh, Paul and all the apostles wrote the things they wrote, the language of English was not in existence. So they couldn't have been using English language to write the Bible. So for you to properly understand the context and the nature of their conversation, you have to go back toward the original language of the communication because there are some registers they use, there are some syntax, there are some words they utilize that is different, in, you know, the English language is so poor in communicating some of these ideas. So if all that we do, if you really want to know scriptures and to teach scriptures and to adequately worship God properly, we must, as a matter of importance, study, you know, in these languages. That is, why, that, that is the reason why oftentimes we, we, we bring Greek and Hebrew here. Not to try to impress you. I myself, I don't speak Hebrew. I don't speak Greek. I don't even know how to pronounce some of the words. But we can't know the truth without knowing these things. Hallelujah. So don't get bored by this usage. You should learn how to use it so that you enjoy the benefit of God's word. Hallelujah. So the definition from the Oxford Learners Dictionary about repentance, it says repentance for something is the fact of showing that you are sorry, right? The fact of showing that you are sorry for something wrong that you have done. Showing that you are sorry for something that you have done. That is what the English dictionary said. Some dictionaries will use the word regret for something that you've done. When you feel regret, a sense of regret, then it means that ah, this person is repenting that he has done this. Now, as I said, Biblical words and terminologies cannot be adequately expressed by English language. So it is necessary that we try to understand what the word repentance or repent or repenting is in scriptures. Now going about making you know, people feel a sense of regret as the English you know, will try to explain repentance or have regret, you know, have not changed or you cannot change the problem of sin. We've said this even when we're talking about confession, right? Confession means to admit, right? To agree with. For example, now, I've done you wrong, and I come and say, ah, Pastor Chidi, as Pastor Costin uh, used the example, and he comes and tells you, I've done you something that is wrong. Does that solve the wrong? It doesn't solve the wrong. It doesn't mean that the problem was not there, right? So, also, Feeling a sense of regret concerning sin does not mean that sin issue has been dealt with. No. Feeling remorse and feeling, you know, unhappy. You know, sometimes we come to God and we want to cry. Say, see, right now, I just want to lock my door and cry to God. You think that God is emotional like you? That you use your emotions to make God feel, ah, since she has cried, he has shed his tears, 
I think right now this person has repented. This is true repentance. Let me now forgive. You see, that's a wrong understanding of who God is because what moves God is faith. Faith in his word. Agreeing with what he says and believing in what he says. That is what moves God. Not, not emotional uh, experience. So faith is what really, really is important to God. Crying and feeling sorry does not make God compassionate to forgive sin. In fact, have you ever gone to a firing squad? No, none of, nobody have, have been there here, I believe. Nobody. But those days when the military were very much active in some of our countries, we used to watch on TV where they were line up some people for robbery and then they would gun them down. You see them crying and pleading. You know, some of them, they will even be defecating from their clothes and everything. But they will still shoot them, right? So their cry for compassion, if you release them, what will happen? We'll still go and do it. You know, have you ever seen a thief caught a red-handed? He swore, I swear to God, if you forgive me this time, I will never do it again. I am Pastor, Pastor Kossi went to prison and he's sharing the story of somebody that was released from prison. We're thinking that this, this person has changed. Oh. He has gone there, he has served time. Here, I mean here. He has served time in the prison and then he came out and then you should feel, what do they call it? Uh, remorse? Or what, when someone has been taken away from drugs and he spent some time, what do they call them? He has been rehabilitated, right? He has been away from drugs, so the person should not have the desire. After two, three days, he went out again looking for people that, you see? So it means that taking the person to prison and he feels he's sorry, he feels this and I have not solved the problem of the desire to do those things. Have not solved the problem. Hallelujah. So, See, emotions and desires and, and all those things cannot really, you know, handle the issue of sin. In fact, God did not ask us to feel sorry for our sins so that we will be forgiven. Never in scriptures will you see God telling us to feel sorry so that we will be forgiven. Because forgiveness can never be upon you feeling sorry. Hallelujah. So it will therefore mean that even we in our human relationship, we will talk about it later. The person does not need to feel sorry before you forgive. If you will act in the nature of God, right? The person doesn't even, doesn't even need to come and own it to you before you forgive. Your default position, whether you like it or not, is to forgive as a believer. You know, but uh, this thing he did to me, you know, I will never forgive him. Because he's not even feeling, he's not even showing that he has, he, has done, he, has, he has done something wrong. How can you ask me to forgive? Because you are a believer. He doesn't care about the person. Whether the person believes that he has done you wrong or not, the Bible teaches that you do what? You forgive. Unconditionally. You know, do you know the extent of what he has done for me? Done to me, rather, not for me, but to me. He molested me while I was a baby, this, this, this. And he knew what he was. The Bible says, do what? Forgive. Oh, you know, he killed my son, my daughter, my mom, my dad, my this, my dad. The Bible says, do what? Forgive. Because if you understand the pedigree, the intensity, the weight of what Christ has done for you, 
then you will act in love and forgive. Forgiveness becomes an instruction and a commandment to you, the believer. So I'm speaking to somebody here that you are obligated to forgive. Somebody says, ah, but you know, I can't, I can't just, you know, see, God will never ask you to do something that he has not put the ability in you to do it. And if you are not trying, if you are not forgiving, you are being rebellious to the spirit of God. It's rebellion to the spirit of God. And if you need help to forgive, we will teach you how to forgive. We will help you to forgive. So come to us. Speak out. Because that is the will and the purpose of God for you as a believer. Christ has forgiven you unconditionally. Therefore, you are obligated to forgive unconditionally. So it's not as a result of the person showing a sense of remorse or regret. Or he's repenting, come to you. You know, some of us, we just want somebody to come and kneel down to satisfy this sense of, you know, uh, how do you call it? This, yeah, is flesh. You want, you want the person to come and kneel down. And even if the person kneel down, you'll be saying, no, no, I, I, I don't want to talk about it. You see, just, just go. This matter, forget about it. How can you say I should forgive you? You want the person to kneel down and, and even worship you before you forgive. You're a believer. A terrible sinner like you. That God has forgiven freely. And you are withholding forgiveness from someone that is even on his knees begging you. Hallelujah. So repentance in the sense of somebody feeling regret is not a condition why we forgive. Hallelujah. You know. Some people teach repentance as changing your ways. Right? Apart from feeling a sense of regret, they say change your ways. You know, have you ever gone to, you hear, hear people, you must repent, leave that sin, then God will forgive you, right? Turn away from sin. Oh, remember what he did last night? You must repent. That means you should leave your bad behavior. Then God will not accept you. Now, if the message is leave the bad behavior you are doing before God will accept you, it simply means that it works. Which means that God's forgiveness to you is conditional. You see, this idea of leaving what you are doing and come to Christ is not biblical preaching you are doing. If you go for evangelism, right? We're going to look at it later on, how to preach repentance. And you go and tell somebody that you should leave smoking, leave your, yeah, this thing you are doing is bad. The person knows that what he's doing is bad. You are not the one. You, see, anybody doing what is bad, he knows that he's bad. He has a, a conscience in him, unless he decided to what? To off his conscience. He knows that his alcoholism is bad. He knows, so he, your responsibility is not to go and tell them that what they are doing is bad. It's to go and tell them what the solution is. And the solution is not leave what you are doing because nobody can leave what he's doing by his power. Hallelujah. So the idea of leave this so that God will forgive you is not biblical preaching. They say stop all your bad activities, all your wrong way of living, then come to Christ and he will forgive you and accept you. I said, this message is totally wrong. Because moral instructions does not save anyone from sin. This idea of repentance, of you leaving all your bad behavior, then, then Christ will not accept you, makes the acceptance of God to you as conditional. Which means that God is only looking for good people. Right? Which means that Jesus came to die for good people. Then we don't need Jesus. If we 
need to be good before we come to Christ. It means that we don't know Jesus. We don't need him. There was no need for Jesus dying on the cross. Hallelujah. There's no need for Jesus dying on the cross. I really miss Pastor Yuma here. <laughs> Please, sir, come and be giving me eye contact. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes. Hallelujah. So, it's, 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 it's necessary we understand this truth, right? That we will be able to know what it means to rightly repent. Are we together? So, changing your ways like that does not mean, does not make God forgives you. That's not what makes God forgives you. The message is totally wrong. We are saved by the grace of God, by grace and not works. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says it very clearly. Give me Ephesians 2 verse 8. Let's, let's read it again. Ephesians 2 verse 8. We are saved by grace and not by what we do or what we've not done. For by grace are ye saved through what? Through faith. For example, and and that not example. of yourselves. It you is what? Get out of prison. It's a gift. It's a right? gift of God. By yourself. It's a gift of you God prison for a man break. that does not deserve it. Then I will save you. A man that has not worked for it. A man that has not taken an does action it make sense? Someone is in bondage. And you're telling a person you to leave the bondage. Then you will set him free. Then you don't need, then he doesn't need, need you because he will be free by himself. That means he has the ability to set himself free. You will not need Christ. That means that he does not need your, your effort to make him free. Because sin is a prison that you can't break out by yourself. We don't have the technology. If not, the world would have invented and moved away from the rottenness in this world. We don't have the technology. We don't have the capacity. We don't have the morality. We don't have the resources to deal with sin on our own. Are we together? So therefore, telling someone to get rid of all his bad behavior and coming to now receive the forgiveness of Christ is totally unbiblical. And some of us, this was a message we had. Before we come to Nancy, ah, uh, I believe. Even if you came to Christ that way, Right now, I'm telling you that that's not what saved you. What saved you? Now, I'm not trying to say you're not born again. Do you believe Christ? You believe. What did you believe about him? That he's a savior, right? That saved you and that cleansed you, right? He paid the price for your sins. So, you are born again. That's what makes you born again. Your faith in Christ, we have to read in, in Ephesians 2 verse 8. Right? So, what is the meaning of repentance from the New Testament Bible? In, 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 in the Bible, what does the word repentance mean? Now, we're going to watch study. Let me introduce so that you prepare your mind to write Greek and Hebrew. We're going to watch study to know what repentance, that word repentance or repent. What repentance or repent, right? So, the word repent or repentance in the New Testament is translated from two Greek words. There are other variations, but I just want to stick to these two, which is necessary for this understanding. Two Greek words. I will spell the first one. And then you pronounce it. The first word is M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A. M-E-T-O-N-O-I-A. So, what do we pronounce this word? Good. Ah, you guys are doing Greek too. Metanoi, right? All right, that's the word. And then the second word is metamelomai, which is M-E. It's not, it's not uh, 
It's not Rema. So don't begin to say, mm, it's, not, it's, it's a word in another language. It's not revelation. All right? There's nothing mm, here. M-E-T-A-M-E-L-O-M-A-I. Metamelomai. M-E-T-A-M-E-L-O-M-I. Actually, meta, where meta is, came from. Meta. Facebook, meta. That's where meta, yeah. Same meta. M-E-T-A-M-E-L-O-M-I. So, metanoi is a noun, right? Now, let me explain the first one. Metanoi is a noun, which means... Now, listen to what it means. What does it mean? It means a change of mind. Do you understand? It means what? A change of mind, which means it's, the focus is where? It's the mind, right? It's not even physical action. It's what? First of all, the mind. A change of mind. And the verb form of this word, metanoi, is spelled this way. M-E-T-A-N-O-E-O. M-E-T-A-N-O-E-O. E-O. So, what, 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 what's the word? Huh? We, we are scared of pronouncing it, huh? Metanol, right? Okay, metanol. Let's say metanol, right? Which means to change one's mind. So, in English, when you see repent, repent means the verb is a verb, right? So, this repent verb is what? Is metanol. And then repentance, which is a noun, is what? Metanoia, the first one that we said. Change of mind. Change of mind to change one's mind. Change of mind to change one's mind. The verb and the, the noun. Right? Good. So the verb form of it, the metanoia, is derived from two words. We are going deeper into the, 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 the derivation of the first word. The metanoia, the verb of it, is derived from two words. Meta, which I said earlier on. Which means to change after being with. To change after being with. The metanoi, which is a verb of the metanoi, is derived from two words, meta. Now, meta means to change after being with. To change after being with. And again, another word, noi, I mean the two different words, the breaking of the, the, the metanoi, right? Which means to think. Think differently after. That's what it means. To think differently after. So in simple words, metanoi means to reconsider or think something. Okay? So when I say repent, what am I saying? Change your mind, right? Rethink, change your mind, not your actions here. Your what? Your mind, your perception, your way of understanding from a, from a perspective you held to another. Do you understand? Good, hold that. Now, let's look at some Bible passages to see examples of this. Of course, we read Matthew. Give me the same Matthew chapter 2, chapter 3. The usage of Metanoia as it is. In scriptures, Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. Verse 3, verse 2, not 2, verse 3. Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. And saying, repent. You see, this is a verb, right? Repent ye, 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is, they should change their perception, their thinking, because the kingdom of where of heaven, this at hand simply means is here. It has arrived. Are we together? Verse eight. Verse eight. Jump to verse eight. And he sent them. No, now. Chapter three, verse eight. Three, verse eight. Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for what? For repentance. This is the noun version of it, right? Repentance, which is they should bring forth the fruits. That is a result of their change of mind. So the change of mind has something you see and you know that this person has a different perspective. Are we together? Good. Then verse 11. Verse 11. Verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto what? Unto repentance. Now, that is why I can assure you that... Should I do this now? No, no. Baptism... I'll be forced to explain. Okay, let's, let's leave it like that. Indeed, baptize you with water unto repentance. But he cometh after me in, that is mightier than I, whose shoe I am not worthy to, be, to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So here, he's talking about repentance, right? The baptism he does is to repentance. We'll explain this scripture. We'll explain it. Don't worry. Just to show us where it is used. Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus, you see, Jesus also preached repentance. Someone will say, ah, but, uh, Jesus preached repentance. So what is he preaching? What does he preach? We're going to explain this verse, verses 2 later on. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say to them, change your mind, right? Change your mind. That's what it means by repent. For the kingdom of heaven has what? Has arrived. Are we together? That is what it means to repent here. Mark chapter 1 verse 4. Mark chapter 1 verse 4. Mark chapter 1 verse 4. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of what? Of repentance for the remissions of sins. So when you repent, what happens? Your sins are what? Are remitted. So, is, is repentance important for the forgiveness of sins? Yes, yes, yeah, of course. It's clear here. And preach the baptism of repentance for the remissions of sins. And understand what we mean by repentance. Don't use English dictionary to define that repentance. Stick to what we are saying here. There must be a change of mind for your sins to be forgiven. That's what it means. That means that you have to, you have to change your mind from one position to another, so that you'll be forgiven. That is what it means here, right? The baptism, this baptism here is talking about teaching of repentance, the ministry of repentance for what the, 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 the remission of sins. Okay, let's look at one more. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Yes, all despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to what? To repentance. 
the goodness of God leadeth thee to what? To repentance. This repentance here is talking about the change of mind. The goodness of God is what brings us to a place where we are able to change. Right? Our mind. Concerning what? Concerning, we'll see later on that it's concerning Christ. Turning from the position of mind towards Christ. Hallelujah. Now, there's another word I mentioned earlier on that, that is mentioned as repentance in the Bible. Which word was it? The second word? Let's say it together. What? Metamelomai, right? Good. Which means, now, this word now, I'm defining this word. Now, we finish with the other one. I'm defining this one now. Okay? Metamelomai means to regret. You see? It means to do what? It means to regret. It means, in simple words, to regret. You know? It means to regret. It has an opposite. There's an opposite to this regret. What is, it? What is the opposite to regret? Not to regret, right? Of course. Right? The opposite is not to regret. All right? So the opposite, which means not to regret, or not to repent of, or not to regret of, right, is spelled this way. I'll spell it, then you call it. A-M-E-T-A-M-E-L-E-T-O-S. A-M-E-T-A, I'm spelling it again, A-M-E-T-A-M-E-L-E-T-O-S. What does it mean? Pronounce it, let's hear. Ametamelotos, right? Which means not to repent of. Now we're going to see how it is used in scriptures. So that when you see, anyway you see repent, don't think that the word, English, every word in Bible does not have a general meaning. Whenever you are reading a word, don't say, don't begin to use what you know, you'll be carrying one repent in Genesis, which is even Hebrew. You now go to the one in, in Revelation, which is even which is another in fact, it's another way of writing. The literature itself will tell that the users of words are imagery here. Are we together? So no single word is of general meaning in scriptures. You must look at the context of usage and then you define that word. This is how you can reach to a, a reasonable place of rightfully interpreting scriptures and you can rightly apply it. So repent, when you see repent in the Bible, it does not mean all the same thing. Which one is repent here? What does it mean here? So, let's look at, yeah, how it is used. Romans chapter 11 verse 29. A perfect example here. We see how regret is used as repent. Romans chapter 11 verse 29. Yes, thank you for this version. Say, for the gift and the calling of God are without what? Are without repentance. So who is to repent here? Sometimes we think that the repentance is us. No. It's God. Does God need the repentance? Hmm? Repent from what? From where to where? Change his mind concerning what? You understand? In that context of what we're saying as repentance from the other one. Now, repentance, the gift of God... God does not regret. That's what it means. There's no regret in God giving his gifts to men. The gifts and the calling of God 
are without word, are without regret. All right? Now, let's look at this one. This one is, you will see the used together. But the regret and the change of mind used in the same scripture. Now, give me 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8 to 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8 to 10. We'll read from verse 8. Look at the way Paul wrote this letter. Say, for though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. What does it mean here? Who will tell me what does it mean? I do not repent here. Look at your New King James. Which word was used there? New King James. I do not what? So who has New King James? Thank you. You see, the old King James still maintain the word repent. It says, for though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Now, look at the New King James. They, they try to translate it. You see, every Bible uh, translation is an interpretation, so be careful. You understand? Every Bible you carry is, a, is, a, is an interpretation. They try to. It's supposed not to, actually. But it's, a, it's, it's, the, it's the person that is translating it. Uh, Translating, he has interpreted it to you the way he wants you to. So you have to know the differences. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not what I do not regret. So repentance here means what? It means regret, right? I do not repent, for I perceive that the same epistles had made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Verse nine. Verse nine. For. For now I rejoice, not that ye, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye, that ye sorry toward to repentance. So which repentance is here? Hmm? Change of mind. Right? So you see, the two are used together. So be careful when you come to don't read scriptures carelessly because you will not understand and you cannot apply the truth if you are careless about words. Now I rejoice not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorry to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. In nothing. Right? So the next verse, verse 10. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to what? Which means that there is a repentance that, moves, that leads to salvation. Right? Not to be repented of. He's smoking something here. Godly word, repentance. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to what salvation? Not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Now, give us New King James Version. Let's look at it here. To see how that repented of. I told you that there's an opposite for that regret, right? For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be what? Regretted of. So the opposite of that word is used here. Not to be regretted of. Not to be repented of. Do you understand? So whenever you come to scriptures, as I will keep emphasizing, words don't have general meaning. You must be able to look at its, uh, its context of usage and be able to rightly interpret that verse. And rightly apply the truth that is found in that word, in that in that scriptures. Hallelujah. Now, metamelomai, which means to regret, is never used 
at all in relation to salvation in the New Testament Bible. You see this statement? is very key. All this Greek and Hebrew is to reach one, this one, to let you know that regret, that one, metamelomai, right? Or the opposite of it, is never used in relation to salvation. So you can never see in scriptures that the apostles will teach you to regret, feel, feel sorry. Ah, ah, Pastor Victor, you're not even feeling sorry. How do you want God to forgive you? You will never see any teaching of the apostles at all that even give a hint to you feeling a sense of regret inside you so that God will forgive you. But do we feel regret for the things we do? Yes. We can, you are human beings, you can feel your, your conscience. Natural, it's natural. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's no amount of feeling regret that will make you born again. So if you go on preaching and telling people to feel sorry for their sins, you're not preaching the gospel that will save them. Because that message is not safe. Hallelujah. It's not to feel regret. It's not to feel sorry. It's not to feel regret for what you have done. Now, do we have seen after me? Yes, okay. Let's look at... Um, let's investigate further what repentance is in the New Testament. What was John saying in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 to 8 that we read previously? Let's go back to that Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 to 8. Can we read verse 1 to 5? Let's read from verse 6 to 8. Matthew chapter 3, verse 6 to 8. We read to 5 before. Let's, yes. And we're baptized by him. Okay, let's read from verse 5 to give con. Yes. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all region around the Jordan went out to him. And we're baptized by him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Do we have from with this confession of sins? We know what this is, right? Okay, let's go back to that teaching though. Verse, yes. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who had warned you from the wrath to come? Verse 8. Bring forth therefore fruit, meat for repentance. So in that entire conversation, what does John mean by repent or repentance? It's necessary for us to understand what the ministry of John was. If you don't understand what John was to do, right, you will never understand the message that he was preaching. We must understand the nature of John's ministry for us to comprehend what he meant by repentance, or what he means by repent or repentance. Now, his ministry... Listen, this is, I don't want to read John, the book of John to bring us to this because that's not the focus. His ministry is to prepare the way. Listen, this is John's ministry. His ministry is to prepare the way and to show Israel, what? The Messiah. In fact, his ministry is not to baptize people in water. His ministry is to show to them the baptism becomes a means by which he can identify the Messiah to them. Because we will, if you read, you, you discover that it was during that baptism that Jesus Christ was revealed to the world. Are we together? Especially to the nation of Israel. So, his purpose or his ministry is to prepare the way and to show Israel the Messiah. Therefore, John will be asking the people of Israel to turn to who? To Jesus. As a summary of his ministry. This is he 
who has come to deliver us from our sins. It's to point to Jesus that people will turn to Jesus, that the nation of Israel will turn away from their own thinking, from their own means of making themselves right to the Messiah. Remember, they were under the law. They refused the truth. So they have the law. So John was to point them to Christ and say, this is he that take it away our sins. The men will turn to Jesus. That is a message of turning to Jesus. Having a change of mind and turning towards Jesus. Let's look at what Jesus said briefly, then we, we move. Um, Jesus is teaching Matthew 4, verse 17. Meta, me, metanoia here, Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus himself began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is what? Is at hand. So what will Jesus be saying to people? Hmm? Have a change of mind, right? Turn. For the kingdom of arrived is here, is within, is here, it has arrived. Jesus here is calling them to change their focus or direction. For the kingdom has arrived. Let's see for the Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. And saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. What is at hand? What does at hand mean? When we interpret, we will interpret this. It, 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 it has arrived. It's here. That's what it means. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and what? And what? And believe. So when you turn, you are doing what you are believing. You are agreeing that the kingdom has arrived. You believe the gospel. And what is the gospel? Concerning the Christ. Do you understand? So you are turning to believing Jesus. That is repentance. How many of us have repented? You repented at salvation. That is repentance. You have turned away towards Jesus. And you have believed the gospel. That is repentance. Repent here means have a change of mind and believe the gospel. If they don't have a change of mind and believe the gospel, what will happen to them? They will perish, isn't it? Luke chapter 13 verse 3. Luke chapter 13, verse 3. Without believing the gospel, without turning and believing the gospel, you will perish. If I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall likewise all. Ye shall likewise all perish. So what makes a man perish? Eh? When he does not believe the gospel, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever what? Believeth in him. Shall not what perish. So it simply means that repentance is believing in the gospel message. It means to believe the gospel message. Because if they don't repent here, what will happen? Likewise, all will perish. So the perishing here is as a result of not believing, turning towards Christ and believing the gospel message. It has nothing to do with feeling regret or feeling a sense of remorse. We can also see how people perish. Mark 16, 16. Apart from the John 3, 16 that I just said. Mark 16, 16 puts it very clear. It says, he that believeth and is baptized 
shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. So damnation or being perished or to perish is a product of not believing. And what do we believe? The gospel. Hallelujah. So repent therefore means to turn to. Let's look at briefly about some teachings of the apostles. How they taught repentance. Now, no apostles mention repentance before salvation in their teachings, in the sense of the great. I've said this before. Except Peter, of which we're going to discuss that Acts chapter 2. Now, repentance, we're not going to talk about that one now. Repentance is a gift. That's number one. The apostles preach repentance as a gift. Which will never mean that you leave your, your wongdoings. That's not what it means. They preach repentance as a gift. Let's look at it here. Acts chapter 5 verse 29. Acts 5, 29 to 31. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom he slew and hanged on a tree. Him had God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. To do what? To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. To give repentance, which is a forgiveness of sins. Repentance, which is a result that brings us the result of the forgiveness of sins. So repentance here, he says, is a gift. So it's not something that you do. In, in action, like you feel or you remorse or you turn away, stop sinning as we do, do say in English. But it's a gift that God has given to you. Repentance is a gift. To give repentance to Israel. Repentance is granted by God. We see them teach that repentance is granted by God. Acts chapter 11, verse 16 to 21. Acts 11, verse 16 to 21. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but he shall be baptized, ye shall be baptized with Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the, the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. That was, please, I like all kingdoms. But to reading it is a challenge for me. For as much then as God gave them the like, the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I, I that I could withstand God? Verse 18. When they had these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then had God also, had God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto what? Repentance unto what? Unto life. Turning, which is unto life. That is believing the gospel, which gives life. This life is what we're singing about. Right? Okay. 2019, right? Okay, 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Verse 20. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the, the Grecians and preaching the Lord Jesus. 
Yes. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and he and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Is it that word turn unto the Lord? Epistrophe. To turn means epistrophe in the Greek. It means that turning is what happens, the repentance here is to believe, you know, to turn here is what repentance is. To believe, to turn, to believe. They turn to the Lord to believe. Now, Paul explains John's ministry. Let's look at how Paul explained the ministry of John the Baptist. Paul explaining, making reference to the ministry of John the Baptist. Acts chapter 13, verse 24. Acts 13, verse 24 to 27. When John had first preached, this is Paul speaking about John. When John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John fulfilled his cause, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he, but he, but behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes, which shoes of his feet I am not worthy to lose. 26. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to, to you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voice of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day. Every Sabbath day. They have fulfilled them in condemning him. Now, let's move to chapter 19. I'm trying to point to you how Paul was making comments on John the Baptist. Chapter 19, verse 4 here. We'll see where he, he, he rounded up here. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe. Who notice what happened here? The baptism of repentance that they should what? They should what? Believe, Right? Believe, right? That they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. So the focus is what? Is Christ here. They should turn to Christ and believe that he is the Messiah. Because many Jewish people don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So their repentance is to agree that he is the Messiah which have come to die for the forgiveness of their sins. So the repentance here is to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Change their mind concerning what they hold about Christ and believe. And believe. Repentance is faith towards God, which is believing in Jesus Christ. Acts 20, verse 20 to 21, you see, they preach repentance as faith towards Christ. Let's look at it. Acts 20, 20. Acts 20, 20 to 21. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and have told you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jewish people and also to the Greeks, that is to all men. The same message to the Jews is the same message to what? To the Greeks. Repentance towards what? So repentance is turning towards God. A change of mind towards what? Towards God. Repentance towards God, which is that and there is Kai, 
which is faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what repentance is. That leads to life. That leads to salvation. That leads to salvation. 21. Testifying both to the Jews and also the Greeks. Repentance towards God. That is turning. That is changing your mind towards God. Which is believing in the gospel of, concerning the Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. We read earlier on that the goodness of God. What does it lead to? It leads to that turning, the repentance. Romans 2 verse 4. They preach it this way, right? Repentance is faith towards God. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. That's a must favorite book, Hebrews. Hebrews 6 verse 1. Repentance is faith towards God. Hebrews 6 verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works. And of faith towards God. You see the way it talks about repentance? From what? From dead works. What is dead works? My works. Hi, oh Lord. Please, don't sleep on me on this verse. Dead works simply means that you believe that what you do will make you justified. Right? That is dead works. Then you turn away. No, verse 1 alone. It's only verse 1. Not laying again the foundation of repentance. Now, that means he's not saying that the foundation of repentance is bad. So now, let's move to other matters. But look at the way he makes reference to repentance. Repentance from. That means that there must be a change from. A mindset from something, right? From dead works and of faith towards God. So, repentance is, means changing your mind from the dead works that you believe can make you safe. Somebody say, I don't believe in God. I am righteous. I'm, I, don't, I don't have a problem. I'm okay. I don't need God. I don't, you know, I, I don't believe in God. I don't need God. I have science. I believe in science. I think science is anti-God. That's foolishness. So, repenting from that works and then towards God. Faith towards God. That is how the apostles preach repentance. They didn't preach repentance as leave your sins so that God will forgive you. So, where did we get this idea? That has been a problem for us. Some of us, we, that is how some of us came to Christ. Stop stealing your mother's food, meat in the pot, so that God will forgive you. You see, as smart as that is, it's not the truth. It's not what makes man born again. You can't go to someone that is doing fraud and then you tell them, I, and say, leave your fraud. So that God will accept you. How can you leave fraud so that God will accept you? Does he even have the ability to leave the fraud? Do you understand? Does he have the ability to leave the fraud? You can't go and tell a lady, stop prostitution so that God will accept you. Do you know how, uh, how can she leave? Does she have the ability to leave? You think she doesn't know that what she's doing is bad? Or you think she doesn't want to leave? She has no power to leave. Give her the power to leave and see whether she will not leave. And the power to leave is believing in Christ Jesus. That is what gives you the ability to live. That is what gives you the ability to what? To say no. I've not finished over but I'll close. To say no to every form of ungodliness. Now, the believer of today does not need to regret sin to have power of overcoming. What I just said right now is that the believer of today sin. And the believer of today needs to repent. And the repentance of the believer of today is to turn to God. 
It is turning to God that will make you overcome every habitual sin. It's not feeling remorse. Oh, Lord, I've done it again. Then you fast for 30 days to, to, to deal with the flesh, to punish the flesh. Dry fast. Ah, I lost it today. Oof. One week fasting, one week fasting. That does not solve the issue of lust. What solves the issue of lust is genuine repentance. And genuine repentance is turning towards God. In fellowship, agreeing with his word. Do you understand? Agreeing with his word, relying on that fellowship with him. That is the believer's repentance. That is our repentance. We repent every day from dead works. Any arrangement you can do to make you, to make you overcome is a dead work. Except in Christ. That is why we say you pray. Right? Not so that the enemy will not do anything. So that you have the, God's ability will have expression towards you to, to make sure that you know, the flesh does not have a word to say. When the spirit is speaking, the flesh will be quiet. Are we together? So, our ability to overcome is dependent on our ability to continuously behold him. That is repentance for us. Agreeing with his word. Hallelujah. Can you say, I repent daily? Speak to God. Not by my strength, not by my power, but by your spirit. That is how we overcome. Thank you for listening to our sermon today. We hope you were blessed by this teaching. If you want to learn more about our church, please visit our website or follow us on social media. We would love to connect with you and hear your feedback. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel and share it with your friends and family. You never know who might need a word of encouragement.